Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another spooky edition of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your 74th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down this road of nerdiness. And on today's episode, sticking with horror theme month of October, we are talking the Halloween 2018 sequel. That's right, everybody. They have just released the sequel to the original 1978 Halloween. This is not to be confused with Halloween 2 that came out in 81 or the second Halloween 2 that came out in 2013, 12 from Rob Zombie. So this would be the third Halloween 2, but the direct sequel to the first one, ignoring the first one and the second. This is it's kind of confusing, I know. But this is a direct sequel to the 1978 original one. Uh, John Carpenter did the score for it. He was an executive producer on it. And let me just get off the bat right now that this is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode. I'm going to be spoiling. I'm going to be talking about everything. Uh, So if you haven't seen the movie yet or if you care about spoilers, then skip over. Then just, just skip it right now. Stop and watch it first. But... And just as a warning, I'm going to be spoiling this as I always do. I can't keep my mouth shut, and even when I try not to spoil, I do spoil. So spoilers are coming up for the new Halloween movie. In three, two, one, the movie as a whole, as a whole, is it's about as good of a sequel as you're going to be able to get to Halloween. Uh, you really can't. the The first one was so good and so terrifying, and they've tried numerous times to recreate that that terror of the original Halloween which I think today we've kind of gotten a little desensitized to what horror is and it's just more blood and guts as opposed to true just gut-wrenching terror which is what the original ones were we've come a little desensitized to it with all the mainstream horror that has happened and all the real life horror that has happened it's kind of just is it's kind of just played on our on our sensitivities a little bit. However, the movie is not bad. The movie is not great. The movie is not bad. The movie is worth a watch if you are a fan of the Halloween series. We have the returning Michael Myers. 40 years after the original Halloween has happened, they are just discontinuing Halloween 2. It never happened. We pick up 40 years after the original 1978 Halloween left off. Lori Strode has moved on. She has had a child. She now has a grandchild. But she has never been able to actually get over what happened that night in Haddonfield. And she has been preparing her whole life to kill Michael Myers. She is very Sarah Connor-esque from Terminator in this. She's very Linda Hamilton-esque. As she has a stockpile of guns, she has a panic room, which is very cool. As she, as you hit a little remote-controlled garage door opener, the island in her kitchen swings to the side and releases, goes down into a panic room where she has got stockpiles of guns and food. Um, we find that her daughter has been taken from her when she was 12 years old by DHS, and she's put into foster care because her mother could not let it go and was teaching her to shoot and basically making her a survivalist like herself. 
we find out that she has a granddaughter who still loves who loves her grandmother her mother her daughter is not fully over the impact that she feels her mother Lori Strode has put on her and being paranoid and she doesn't want to live that way it's a very interesting dynamic with the whole family issue here as you have the grandmother who just fears one day and knows that the boogeyman the shape is coming back and that you have a daughter who while she loves her mother does not want to be that paranoid person does not want to live that life she thinks that her mother is just she knows she's damaged mentally and she just she doesn't feel that that the threat and the bad things in life are always bad. She's trying to find the good in life. And then you have a granddaughter who loves her mother and loves her grandmother and just wants everything to be well. And it's it's an interesting new dynamic that's added to this film. Uh, we have the returning Michael Myers, who was played. Now, this has been played by a couple people that are in this. Uh, you know, you have a stunt double doing a lot of the main work. But the actual man who played a Michael Myers in the original Halloween is returning and he does do some of the standing around with this. You open up at the mental institution where he has been for the past 40 years. We find out that Dr. Loomis has passed away and he has been replaced um, by a new doctor who has been studying Michael and is kind of obsessed with Michael. As we get two investigative journalists or podcasters, which this is becoming kind of a trend in movies that you're seeing to where a lot of uh, now it used to be, you know, you were an investigative reporter. Now they're saying they're podcasters and they're, you know, doing like it's, it's investigative reporting on a matter of like serial, uh, the, that kind of podcast, these true crime podcasts. But it's kind of showing you that podcasting is kind of coming into the mainstream. And that's kind of cool to see that, that the mainstream world is accepting podcasting as a legitimate form of entertainment and a legitimate form of of news and source material and stuff like this so that was just kind of thing as we come in though you see uh, a man and a woman that run this podcast trying to get a words from michael myers he has not spoken in 40 plus years and the the issue i have with this let me just say this one little thing about them being quote-unquote professional podcasters they're using a recorder they're using a handheld recorder which i have i have an h4 uh, in zoom recorder um they're not using that that exact recorder but they're using a recorder and they don't know what they're doing the way they're holding the recorder you're not going to get any good audio from it uh they're trying to get michael myers to speak she's holding the microphone behind him the my recorder is behind him so if he does speak in a low cuss tone you're not going to pick up audio if he does speak unless he's just hollering at the top of his lungs you're not going to pick up any good audio and it, it just kind of took me out of it as somebody who does podcasting. Again, little nitpicky thing. But nonetheless, uh, you see him. He gra he pulls out the mask that he got from a friend at the FBI or the Sheriff's Department. I don't remember. The, but it's the Michael Myers mask. It's, it's the Halloween mask, the William Shatner mask that Michael has used. And in the courtyard of the of the mental institution you have all the inmates or the patients there and they're all like chained to a little or like a rock on the ground different rock and there's a little square a little square put around them to where their chain can go to and they can't go any farther than that so they're getting their rec time and so the guy tells them don't go past the square 
you know, because it's dangerous. So when he goes out there and he's showing the mask, Michael does not move. He does not speak. And the whole film kind of gets with uh, his new doctor and these people. And it seems like they're trying to build to Michael Myers saying something. And I was really worried that they were going to have Michael Myers speak. And it just kills some of the lore of Michael Myers. Michael Myers is that deadly, just silent killer. He doesn't speak. He has no emotions. And I was worried that they were going to make him say anything. And even if it was just Lori or no or anything, I was like, I didn't want it. I was scared to death they were going to do it. Luckily, Danny McBride and his writing team did not go that route. I thank you for that because that would have really took me out of it if you'd had Michael Myers speak. Anyway, as they show the mask to Michael and he's trying to get him, he's, he keeps telling him, you can feel that, you can feel the mask. Michael's not moving, but everybody else in the yard, all the other patients are starting to go crazy. You have dogs going crazy. It's just, it's like a magical force from this mask that is just scaring and agitating everyone. We move forward out of that as we meet Laurie Strode's daughter and granddaughter again, and we're finding that they're going to meet her boyfriend, and she's getting ready for a Halloween party, and we get a little bit of them, of the podcasters trying to talk to Laurie Strode as they go to her house, and she's in this gated compound community with 10,000 locks on the doors and security cameras everywhere. You know, she's a true survivalist. She's borderline agoraphobic. She doesn't want you know she, she's always worried about michael coming back and she's just preparing non-stop to kill him whether it's learning to fight whether it's learning how to you know shooting and being a dead eye with it uh jamie lee curtis is the i love this love her in this movie she does such a great job jamie lee curtis is a hell of an actress she's good in pretty much anything that she is in she she is laurie strode and she does an amazing job here with what they've given her of someone struggling with the past and the the horrors that she's dealt with and so paranoid and afraid of the future of what she knows is going to come with this silent killer. Now they took a shot in this to where as they're walking and friends are talk, uh, friends of Lori Stroh's granddaughter are talking to her. Uh, they kind of relive and tell the story a little bit. And one of the friends says, wasn't that her brother? She says, no, that's something that the news uh, conjured up it was just some random guy so they're basically saying that the michael they did they just completely disregarded everything from halloween 2 on when halloween 2 is when we learned that laurie strode is actually the young younger sister of michael myers and that is his whole reason for trying to kill her is he's trying to finish off his other sister so i, I that kind of brought me out of because you know being so far into the series, and at this point, without this one, we are, uh, what, eight films deep, if you don't count the, if you don't count the uh, Season of the Witch, which had nothing to do with Michael Myers, we're seven or eight films deep at this point, counting the Rob Zombie one, and it's always been established that Laurie Strode is his younger sister, and this, they're just trying to make him a, just a psycho killer for no reason, uh, there's a theory that the reason he went up to Lori in the original one then, if that's not his sister, is because seeing her with the boy that she was babysitting that night kind of reminded him of him and his older sister, and it just sparked something in him that he had to uh, kill her. Uh, maybe it was that his her father was trying to sell his child at home. There's no real telling. Uh, that, kind of, that, that kind of annoyed me a little bit. I, I really think they should have stuck with him being her older brother just because of the 
the fact that the the lore of has been established and I know that this is a direct sequel to the first one so they might not be able to actually you know they they, they kind of wanted to make it their own way but there is a lot of nods to the other films and this not directly they're not saying named or anything but just some of these shots and exposition and um, they do a lot of reshoots of what originally of what was original in the uh, Halloween films like there's one point when Laurie Strode's granddaughter is sitting in class and she looks out the window and she sees Laurie standing there just looking at her just standing and then she looks looks away and looks back and she's gone which is a nod to pretty much every Michael Myers uh shot in any of the Halloweens to where they'll somebody'll see him they look away and when they look back he's gone that's just you know a little thing uh the POV of him grabbing a knife which was from Halloween 4 I believe as he goes back to Haddonfield he walks in someone's house he takes a hammer he beats the woman to death we see that off screen we don't see him actually beat her to death but we hear it him walk over and him grab a kitchen knife as he walks towards the front door we hear a baby crying and everybody in the theater that I was with just said no no not the baby not the baby and it makes you think that and he just walks past the baby with no problem Michael Myers does not usually kill kids in 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 this film he does kill one child I guess you can say out of necessity as they go to transport him from the insane asylum to another insane asylum which I don't know if it's a insane asylum or a prison. They never really say it. They just say the name of the place. But everybody's pretty much saying that it's hell, and it's not a you know it's not a place you want to be. They're basically giving up on Michael at this point. Uh, as the doctor gets on the bus with him, he said, "That's my patient. I'm not going anywhere." The bus we find out crashes. We see a father and son on a hunting trip. As the father and son come across the patients walking through the road and see the bus crash, the father gets out to go try to help. The son tries to call for nine you know for nine one one for help can't find his father he goes in brings his rifle with him walks in the bus looking for his father uh the doctor stands up says don't shoot the kid immediately shoots him in the shoulder we see the kid get down he runs gets in their car locks the door michael myers is already in there and michael myers kills the kid to take the car to go to haddonfield basically again out of necessity we see the podcasters at a gas station and the woman goes to the bathroom the man pumps gas we see michael myers walking into the background as he goes and kills a mechanic another nod to halloween 2 or excuse me halloween 1 when he takes the actual mechanics overalls uh, another nod there it's just a bit more gory we see uh the gas station attendant's jaw has been ripped off and that's when you get the scene from the trailer of him dropping teeth over the uh, stall in the women's bathroom as she's using the bathroom which is another nod to one of the Rob Zombie films, and they it, it, they do a lot of nods to the other films. Just the the shots, like I said, the exposition, it's just all there. Uh, it's great nods without them actually acknowledging the films. Michael Myers in this, the kills are a little bit more over the top than they were in the original one. You know, the original one there wasn't as much blood, uh, there wasn't as much gore. This one, or is a little bit more. It's not bad, bad, but like I said, you see a guy with his jaw ripped off. You see him dropping the teeth. You see people being stabbed. At one point, a man's neck is turned damn near completely around. It's little things like that 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 have kind of... You have to escalate it a little bit, I understand. And the kills in this, while they're not super over the top, this movie kind of takes the whole film franchise back to what it was originally, which is 
not campy. I don't want to say the word campy here because it's not campy, what the original one was. It's campy-esque. It's it's more of a kind of realistic, but we don't we don't know if what compels Michael. We don't know why he has these seem to be this superhuman abilities, strength, this to not feel pain. Maybe it's just a psychotic nature. They're trying. They're they're making Michael Myers where he's not a supernatural being. He's actually a human being. You know, he's he he does feel pain if only for a slight second. We see that later on in the film when Laurie and him are actually going at it. He gets his fingers blown off by a shotgun when he's choking Laurie through the door of the of her house, the front door of the house. We see the him shoot the fingers off his hand, and for the rest of the film, on one of his hand, he's missing fingers. We see him get shot in the neck with a great scene to where Lori's daughter and granddaughter are in the basement, and they're looking up, and they're looking as Lori has pulled a Michael Myers to where she has, after being shot, shooting Michael's fingers off, a struggle has ensued. And Michael has thrown her out a window. She's rolled off. She's laying on the ground. People think that Lori might be dead. They did. They did a great job here of kind of reversing the roles to where Lori pulls Michael Myers esque moves on Michael and kind of making her, while she is this survivalist and she is there and she is always, you know, prepared for this, to see that she is still a human and mistakes happen and she can get the she can be bested. Michael has bested her. She's thrown her out. He sees her laying down, and she looks like she's sprawled out. She's dead. You know, I thought they might kill her off in this film. Um, they don't. And but you see that, and then he looks away, and as he looks back, she's gone. She's done. Pulled a Michael on. So that after that, it's him looking through the house, pulling what she did. She's look. He's looking for Lori. Where is she at? How did she get away? And as that happens. He finds the island. He's ripping the island up. We see her daughter down there as she grabs the gun that she learned to shoot with when she was a kid, a rifle, and she's pointing up as he rips the island off and the door is exposed to the basement in the panic room. We hear her saying, Mom, help. I can't do it. I can't do it. She's crying. She's panicking. She doesn't know. You know, you're feeling this intense moment of her. She's trained for this when she was a kid, but she doesn't have it in her anymore. And Michael steps in front of the door, and she says, gotcha. And she pulls a trigger and shoots him dead through the neck. We see blood spurt. And that's when Lori comes down. Michael gets down through the hole. The daughter, Lori, and granddaughter, they go up through the hole, and we find out that the entire panic room was never a panic room. It was never a safe place. It was a trap. As bars come across the opening, Michael's down there. We see igniters light, and basically they set the house on fire and burn Michael Myers as Michael Myers stares up through the basement, emotionless, nameless, soundless, and... We've seen people burn Michael Myers before. We've seen Michael die in pretty much any way you can. And at the very end of the credits on this, uh, the music stops and you hear deep breathing, which basically means that they're going to bring Michael Myers back, which I'm not opposed to. I don't know how they can go from here with it being 40 years past. How do you keep going You know, from here, especially with it being older and ignoring all the other films? But for a Halloween movie, this wasn't a bad movie. There are a couple parts in it. I liked a couple things I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that, like I said, they they tried to make it to where he was just some random stranger. At the instead of being her brother, uh, I did like the fact that at one time Lori refers to him as the sh- the 
She reports as the shape, which is what he's always been billed. He's never really been called Michael. He's always been called the shape in the original ones because he was just a voidless, you know, killer. They never had a real name for him originally besides Michael, but he never was billed as that in the cast. Uh, one of the things I didn't like was the doctor, the doctor, the new Loomis, as they called him, was obsessed with Michael and he's tried for years to get him to talk and through this whole film he kind of gets annoying with the whole you you can't kill him you can't kill him at one point he's like he's government property you can't kill him and one of the sheriff sees michael and just mows michael down with a car i mean michael's dead that's what we're we're thinking because the doctor gets out he runs over he checks him he says he's dead you killed him and then he pulls out a scalpel and i was like they're not gonna do this and then he stabs the sheriff dead in the throat with a scalpel, kills the sheriff, and he says, so that's what that feels like. And Lori's in the back seat of the cop car. She's locked in, and we see this doctor pop up, and he's got Michael Myers' mask on. And I'm like, no. if they, I, I really thought that they were going to kill off Michael Myers and have this damn doctor idiot be the one that's the true bad guy and you know, finish off the film of trying to kill Lori. And I was like, this guy has a gimp shoulder. He's in a sling. He's in his 60s, maybe 70s. I don't know. He's short. He's fat. He's slow. I was like, Lori's going to eat this guy alive if they try to go this route. I was like, I hope they didn't. Luckily, they don't. But somehow, he, why he puts the mask on for some reason. I don't know why. Then he drags Michael Myers with one arm to the back of the cop car, lifts him up with one arm, Throws him in the back seat and drives off to Lori Stroh's house because his reckoning is the only way he's going to get Michael to speak, and that's all he's ever wanted, is to get Michael to speak. The only way he's going to get him to is if Lori and him have a confrontation. He thinks Lori could be the key to getting him to talk. So as he's driving, Lori's granddaughter is in the back, and she tells him he's talked to me. She's lying here. He's never said a word to her. And he goes, what did he say? And she tells him, stop and I'll tell you. Stop and I'll tell you. And so he pulls over immediately, you know, just right to the side. And he said, what did he say? Was it Lori? Was it Judith? He's just saying, you know, what did he say to her? And she looks over and the mask is gone off the seat. It's back on Michael's. He looks at her and he kicks the uh, driver's seat for the cop car. And he pushes the new doctor up against the seat and basically is crushing his sternum. As he, the doctor gets out, Michael goes over to him. And as he's about to kill him, he just says, you know, say something, anything, please. I just want to hear it. And I'm like, do not have him say a word. And Michael Myers does Michael Myers, stomps his head, and it just explodes like a watermelon's been stepped on. And it was just amazing. As the granddaughter goes and we get to the previous fight scene at the Laurie Strode house, like I've told you. The movie, uh, the, the score of this film, the music... They used the original theme, but they did it a couple of different ways. At one point, they kind of slow it down and make it more methodical. The score of this film is incredible. That theme song is so iconic, and it is so beautifully done and beautifully used in this film at the exact right time when it needed to be done. And I cannot say enough about the score. The score was just masterfully done. The fact that the opening credits, and it has opening credits, it looks like an original Halloween film. Instead of getting the pumpkin decaying, we get a decayed pumpkin that comes back to life as it's blown back up and you see the face. 
We get the original fonts. We get the old school look of it. I mean, this film, while it's not perfect, is a, a good continuation of the story of Michael Myers. It's different from what the Rob Zombie films were, which was more intense and more scary and more, well, not scary, just more intense and more just blood and guts and a psychopathic killer. This is more in tone with what the original first two was, which is a silent, stalking, methodical killer. The film is not perfect, like I said, by any stretch of the imagination, but the film is very nicely done. It was a great continuation of the story, and it's made me excited for more Halloween films, as I'm a big fan of the franchise, even the later ones that weren't good. And I know that if this makes money, they'll do more. Uh, Bloomhouse, I think, did was the right call for this. They they had a budget of ten million dollars. This is gonna make you know it'll make twenty or thirty. It'll make probably ten million dollars back, the money back on making it the first weekend it's in theaters. It's just you know Bloomhouse knows how to take a film, uh, spend little money, make gain on it, and be able to go forward. Now I know a lot of people might not be into the Bloomhouse style of films with the purges and with their paranormal activities and stuff like that. I think that they were the right choice for here. The Danny McBride and his writing team, the other writers, I'm sorry, I don't know your names at the moment. I'm not, I don't have them in front of me. Surprisingly, I'm not, uh, you know, there. I'm not ready and prepared like I should be. But they but they did a good job of, of taking aspects from the original Halloween and bringing those aspects into this new one for a new generation. We get to see who Michael Myers is without having to know exactly who the backstory is. Like, you don't have to know exactly what happened. They give you enough through the film of backstory and telling of, the, of what happened to let you know the story without you having to actually have seen it. I'm going to have to watch the original... And then watch this one right after to see how well it links up. I really wish they kind of wouldn't have skipped over the second one. As I think the second one was a continuation of the first one, obviously. But it picked up where it left off. And I think it would. this would have been a good way to incorporate a third one. That would have been right after that. But they went their own direction with it. It's not a bad film. It's a. It's about as good as a of a sequel to this franchise as you're going to be able to get. The the effects were done well. Again, the, the terror was, it wasn't just truly terrifying, but a lot of movies aren't anymore, and it's hard to do that. But it does keep you give you suspense, and it gives you them little jolts of jump scares and, and frightening uh, moments that, that you look for in a Halloween film. And the, the actors all did an amazing job in it. There's one actor in particular, and I, I let me, hold on, let me let me look up his name real quick. Because the kid did an amazing, amazing job. Um, okay, his name is Jabril Nantambu. I'm sorry I pronounced, mispronounced your name. But he plays the little kid, um, Julian, who one of Laurie Strode's friends is babysitting on Halloween night. And this kid steals the show. Like, he is hilarious from the moment you see him to the moment he is... His his whole little run is over, and you don't see what happens to him. He doesn't get killed. He gets away. But the kid is just funny. He is charismatic, and he steals the show and steals the scenes that he is in just from his comedic timing. And I don't even know if it was meant to be that way or if it was just he did that good of a job. But, you know, my hat's off to him. The acting from everybody in this was just great. The score is great. The way it's shot is done well. It reminds you of a of what the original Halloween's was. 
So, I mean, all in all, this film is worth it if you're a fan of the series to go see. This film is definitely, you know, should be on your list. And it's it's definitely one of the better Halloween sequels. There are some stinkers out there on them. And this is one of the best. And this is a million times better than the Rob Zombie's sequel. You know, the, the Halloween 2. This is a million times better than it. So, if you're a fan of the series, I, I recommend you go see it. I recommend you support it. Because it, it's hard to get true horror movies like this done even though this film again is not perfect this film has flaws in it it's it's as good as a sequel as you're going to get nowadays and it's as good as a sequel as any of the sequels have been so my recommendation if you're a fan of the film go see it if you're a fan of horror go see it because I, I think you'll have enjoy it and i think you'll have a good time at the theater guys that's going to be it for this week thank you again for listening to the nerd pool podcast thank you for following me all month on on our horror themed month you know this is one of my favorite times i love talking horror movies i'm a big fan as well as everything else you know and for you guys to take this ride with me is just an amazing thing thank you all for your support uh go follow me on twitter at nerdpool pod go follow me on instagram at nerdpool podcast follow me on twitch at nerdpool gaming you guys are amazing go rate review subscribe share tell a friend tell a neighbor tell someone you don't like let them know about the podcast uh my numbers have been growing and it's all because of you and the support that you love that you guys have showed me so until next time that's nerd pool see ya I'm going to